Yes? It's good to shout in God's house. All right, that's better. So I'm going to, I want to. Hearing, not having heard, so it'll be all right for you to hear it a second time. Here we go. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23 says this. By faith, Moses hid, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born. Now, now you have to understand that, that it says here they did that because they saw that he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. So at that time, the king or pharaoh at that time had heard that a deliverer was going to be born that would deliver Israel out of its captivity. So he decided to get all the children of that age murdered and killed. And so his parents hid Moses for a period of time. He didn't hide him because he was ugly and they're too afraid to bring him out in public. Come on. You know, like, <laughs> you know how when babies are born, you know, they, they come sometimes smack them to get them to cry? You know, it wasn't one of their moments when your baby was born, they smacked you because of how the baby looked, you know? So it wasn't those moments. It was, it was not because he was ugly or horrendous. It was because they could see that there's something special about him. They says that he was no ordinary child. There's something special about him. Do you know when God looks at you, he does not see ordinary. He sees something special. Every single one of us are created in his image and his likeness we are created. And so when God sees you, he actually sees an image of himself. Did you know that? When you look in the mirror, you see all your faults and all your failings. You see, you know... Um, double earlobes and stuff like that. You see all these things that aren't right about you, yes? Have you ever looked in the mirror and actually tried to find all the good things about you? You're looking at me weird again. Most of us look in the mirror to find fault, yes? Because in our human nature, we have this propensity to always go to the negative, to always go to the negative side of things. And, and, but when... They saw Moses, there was something about Moses that wasn't ordinary. There's something significant about him. And the same thing is when God sees you, there's nothing ordinary about you. There's something of significance about you. There's something really, really important to God about you. There's something that makes you not just a normal, everyday person, but makes you spectacular. In fact, every single person that has ever been created and born on the face of the planet, God sees them exactly the same way as absolutely extraordinary. And, and how do I know that you're not ordinary? The same reason why Moses was not ordinary. I'm going to tell you something this morning. Moses was born a deliverer, and I'm telling you this morning that you're also been born at this time to be a deliverer of people out of Egypt and into the kingdom of heaven. Egypt always represents the world. How do you know that I'm born a deliverer? Really, really simple. There's only been three times in history that it's been legal to kill babies. One, when Moses was born deliverer. Two, when Jesus was born deliverer. And right now in this day and age of abortion. Come on, man. The enemy is trying to kill off the deliverers 
of Israel, the deliveries of people. The enemy is trying to destroy and kill off the generations that are to come that are going to lead people out of Egypt and into the kingdom of heaven. They're going to lead people out of the world and into his presence. You are not ordinary because you're born at such a time for this. You are not ordinary because God's born you, created you to be a deliverer of people in your schools and in your workplaces and in your families and in your communities. Only three times has it been legal for murder of children and every time it's because a deliverer was born. I'm trying to tell you something this morning. You are not ordinary. You have been born to deliver people out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. You weren't born so that you could be saved. You were born so that you could be saved and you could leave others to be saved. It's our job to lead people out of their Egypts and into their promised lands. It's what we're created to be. You are not ordinary. You are spectacular and you have a calling and a gifting upon your life to lead your friends and to lead your family and your neighbours and those that you have influence over out of Egypt and into their promised lands, into their giftings and into their callings and into His glorious light. You are not ordinary. You are spectacular. But Moses, to be the deliverer that he was, had to learn three things that he had to overcome or that he had to understand about himself if he was going to be the deliverer of Israel. And it goes on in here and it says in Hebrews eleven twenty four it says, and by faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused. Everybody say refused. Refused to be known as a son of Pharaoh's daughter. The first thing that we have to do is we have to learn to refuse to be known as something that we're not called to be. You see, you have to understand that Moses was actually a Jew. He was, he was an Israelite. He was not Egyptian. Even though he was found in the marshes by Pharaoh's daughter and was raised in the palace and was raised as a prince and had all the education of Egypt and all the luxuries of being in a palace, he was not Pharaoh's, daughter, Pharaoh's daughter's son. He wasn't. He was somebody else's son. He was not Egyptian. He was an Israelite. You see, the thing is, is that we have to refuse to be known by what other people want to call us. We have to refuse to be known by what other people try to make us. The Bible puts it this way. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. You see, what the world wants to do is it wants to conform you. It wants to make you like everyone else. I crack up so much when people go around and say, I'm just being me. I'm being unique. Because if you walk around enough, everybody dresses the same depending on what the total you know, new thing is. Anyone that's been alive long enough remembers you know, things like plaid coming and going. Yes? Things like paisley shirts coming and going. Things like bell-bottom pants coming and going. You know, you know what I'm saying? Hello? Will you talk to me this morning? Everybody sees it and every generation thinks that they're unique and they've got this really cool kind of trendy clothes happening, but it's just a regurgitation of 20 years ago. Anybody here that wants to be a fashion designer, let me help you. Just go back 20 years, see what they're designing, design that yourself, and you'll be successful. And the haircuts look the same. Everything looks the same. Because it wants to conform, it wants to restrict, it wants to mold you into its mold. And, and we have to understand that, actually, I've got to be who God called me to be. 
I, I can't even be like Craig or I can't even be like Rimmer. So often in church life, we want to be like those that we see on the stage or those that we look up to, but don't be me and don't be Rimmer. Please don't do that. There's already one of us and the world can't handle two of us. You know what I'm saying? It'll drive everybody insane and people would go around wanting to end their lives if there's two Craigs in the world. And I'm, I'm trying to tell you something that you are absolutely unique and you need to be who God created you to be because if you try to be a copy of something, how many people know if you take the original and you put it into a photocopier and you photocopy it, it never comes out as good as the original. It never comes out. It's just, it's just a copy. It's not as good as the original. And then people make a copy of the copy and slowly but surely what was originally God's plan and intention for Christianity, what God's plan and intention intention was for the church becomes this copy of a copy of a copy and it's not the original that he had planned for your life because we spend our whole time trying to be people that we're not meant to be you don't want me to try and be Rimmer on the guitar and sing I'm telling you don't want that I want that but you don't want that one I can't play to save myself and the second thing is if I started singing and playing this place would be evacuated, not because of a fire alarm, but because I'd sound like a fire alarm. Are you with me this morning? You be you. You have to refuse to be known as what people call you to be and start being known what God has called you to be. You know, I remember in my workplace before I started pastoring, I got, I got called all sorts of names, you know. I got called names like the Bible Basher. Uh, I got called names like, um, uh, you know, Holier the Vow. Um, you know, all sorts of names. I never once really ever spoke to anyone in my workplace about God unless they invited me to because I made this decision that I wanted to be invited into somebody's world, not just speak into it. And, and I never went around Bible bashing people or anything. I, I just didn't do that sort of thing. But you know what? The conviction of, of people's hearts when they get around you, it starts to convict them and they start to feel uncomfortable because they know that you're a Christian, because they know that you live for Jesus, and they start to become uncomfortable around you, and the name calling is to try and shut you down. The name calling is to try and get you to fit in with what they feel comfortable with in their workplace. They don't want you to be you. They want you to be what they want you to be. And we have to learn to refuse to be constricted, refuse to be molded into what people want us to be and be who God called us to be. Don't conform, but transform. Don't be a copy, be the original. It goes on in Hebrews 11.25 says, and he chose, everyone say chose. Let's try that again, chose. That's better. To be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. You know, when, when you can choose to be mistreated because of Jesus, rather than cave into what everybody else wants you to do. It's a mark of maturity. It's a mark of spiritual maturity in you. But here's the thing. You can't choose to be mistreated until you refuse to be known as anything other than what God called you to be. Because I know people, and when you haven't chosen to be who God's called you to be, the minute mistreatment comes your way, you're going to conform back to what they want you to be because we don't want to be mistreated. Hello? 
Nobody wants to go into work and have people call you names. No one wants to go into school and have people make fun of you. Nobody wants that, and I don't want that for you either. And I believe that there's a way that we can witness and reach out to people that doesn't require you know, this kind of bullhorn standing on the corner yelling at people that they're filthy rotten sinners and going to hell. I don't think we need to do that. I think that the Bible says this, that we are epistles seen of and read of by men. In other words, our lives can be the Bible that people read. They can see you and they can see Jesus. You don't have to go around ramming it down their throat. You just got to live your life and they'll see it. They'll see it. That's why the scripture says that if you'd lift God up, he'd draw all men unto himself. In other words, as you live for him and as you live your way, they'd see it. And when crisis comes your way because you don't cave, but you stand strong for God, it witnesses to them. But the reality is that sometimes you're going to be mistreated. But you actually have to choose that. You have to choose. You have to come to this point where I refuse to be molded into what people want me to be. I'm going to be who God's called me to be. And in the process of refusing to be anything but what God's called me to be, I have to face this reality that I have to choose sometimes that I'm going to be mistreated because to be mistreated for the gospel is better than any pleasure from sin for a season. It's better than anything for a season. You know, you can't live off somebody else's spirituality. You know, I, I grew up in a pastor's home, you know, so I had no choice about going to church all of my life. And when I was like 15, 16 years of age, 17 years of age, I decided that I, I, I didn't kind of want to live that way. And I, I went off on my own direction, but I still got made to go to church every Sunday. I may have been sitting down the back talking the whole way through every single sermon, but my, my parents made me go to church. It was not optional in our house. If you live in my house, you go to church, it's the end of the story. I can remember my, my dad's here this morning, and I have to be careful what I say in case I get in trouble for things I did many years ago, but, but I can remember climbing out my bedroom at, at midnight once I had gone to sleep and going with my mates to parties and then climbing back into my bedroom at like five or six o'clock in the morning to have my parents wake me up at seven o'clock. I'm sure they could smell the smoke and the alcohol on me, waking me up at seven o'clock to tell me to get showered and dressed and get ready for church. And I'd sit in the back of the church, hung over, feeling absolutely horrendous. And the thing is, is this, is that I had spent my whole entire life up until that point living on the coattails of my parents' walk with Christ living on the coattails of their spirituality. And I'm glad that they forced me to go because here's the thing, one moment in God's presence can completely transform your life. And when I was 18, about 17 years of age, I was in a meeting that I'd been made to go to and, and I'm sitting there and I don't even remember what the preacher preached. All I know is that I found myself on the altar call. I found myself down the front on my knees crying out to God, getting them back into my life again. Why? Because uh, can I encourage your parents, if you have kids that are trying to go away from God, just keep on making them come. You might have to fight them, you might, but just one moment, one moment. You know, some of your kids hated having to go to summer camp this year. You had to fight them to get them there, but I want to tell you, they have moments with God all the way through. You will never regret the fight to get them here because when they get into God's presence, God does something. But at 17 years of age, and I really committed my life to Christ, because I gave my life to Christ when I was five or six, I think it was. I was water baptized when I was seven, spoken tongues when I was eight. I mean, 
but I never, I kind of lived on their coattails. You know what I'm saying? I lived on, on, on the blessing of their spirituality. I came under their covering, but at 17 years of age, I made a true commitment to Christ that was mine. It was my commitment. I chose to pursue Christ for myself. And there was mistreatment along the way. And I shared this at youth before, but I can remember some guys at my school thought it would be really funny to pee in my drink bottle because they didn't like that I was a Christian. How many people know that water in your drink bottle tastes really good? Urine, not so much. It's all right. Can't, yeah. I'm, I'm alive. I know friends that, that when they came to Christ and they go into their school bags to get something out and find that some kid had pooed in their school bag because they're a Christian. But I also know that that same kid, by the time that they had finished school, is in Australia, by the time that they'd finished school, he had led 500 people in that school to Christ. Come on, there's this point where we refuse to be molded into what people want us to be, we start to be all that God's called us to be, and we understand that when we choose mistreatment, it's worth it, because greater are the things of the kingdom of God than the pleasures of sin, and we can handle the mistreatment because we understand what is going on. We understand that we're born to be deliverers and deliverers have mistreatment. Moses had mistreatment. Moses had people whinging him. He saved them out of slavery. He got them out of slavery and into the promised land. After 800 years of slavery, he gets them out and all they do is they whinge and they moan and they complain. And Moses has this moment where he says to God, they're not even my people. They're your people. Why don't you just kill me? That's how much they complained about being saved from their slavery that Moses just, just kill me now. I'd rather be dead than put up with this lot. Isn't that crazy? And so there's, there's mistreatment that comes, but Moses will forever be known as one of the greatest leaders ever in Scripture that led people out of the bondage of Egypt and into their promised land. And we have to understand that we've got to refuse to be what people want us to be, be all that Christ called us to be, and then we have to choose that sometimes we're going to be mistreated because the things of the kingdom are far greater value than the things of this world. You're like, man, I, I wish we had a nice message this morning. You know, when, when we choose to be mistreated, we can't blame other people for the way that our life goes. When we get to this place where we choose to really stand for God and, and take the stuff that comes our way, you can't blame others for how your life turns out. Life is your choice. The Apostle Paul said this, that I may know his power. How many of you want to know God's power this morning in your life? And it goes on in the verse and says, and the fellowship of his sufferings. Because Paul understood this, to have his power, sometimes there's a suffering that goes with it. Everything in God that you want is a stretch to, there's pain to, there's a stretch to it. The man with the withered hand, and, and Jesus says, stretch out your hand. His hand was withered. He couldn't stretch it out any more than he could fly to the moon. But God required something from him. And so he did what God told him to do. A painful thing is stretching out that withered hand. And as he stretched it out, then it was healed. Any, any woman that's ever given birth to a child understands the pain of the stretch that happens as you are growing on the inside 
this beautiful, incredible, amazing child and the pain of giving birth to that. Anybody that has been part of anything of a stretching wise, I can remember when, um, when I used to play soccer and I was playing at rep level and, and sometimes you, know, you get cramp and all sorts of stuff and, and I don't know about you, but when you get cramp, when they stretch it, that's just the most painful thing ever, yeah? It's just, it's like, don't stretch my cramp, but it's the only way to get past the cramp. And so there's some pain that comes, but on the other side is the freedom. No, no woman here on the face of the planet ever sits back and goes, the pain that I went through to give birth to my child was not worth it. The pain is worth it when we understand what's on the other side. The pain is worth it when we understand. That's why in Hebrews 11.26, it says this about Moses. said, he regarded, everyone say regarded, disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. You see, the thing is, is he refused to be molded to what people wanted to be. He chose to be mistreated rather than enjoy the, enjoy the pleasure of sin because he regarded, he understood. When he weighed things up, he decided that the things of the kingdom was of more value than the things of this world. He decided that, that going through the pain of what he had gone through, going through the complaining, going through the accusations, going through the murmuring and the backbiting and the gossiping and was of greater value because of the things of the kingdom than to comply with everybody's wishes, than to shut themselves down and be molded into the conformity that people wanted him to be. He understood something. He realized that greater was the reward on the other side than what was on this side. He understood that, that the things of the kingdom are of far greater value than anything we can have on earth. He discovered that God's purpose is more valuable than popularity. That God's purpose, what God wants to accomplish in your life and through your life and in this world, there's of greater value than how popular you are, how many people like you, or how many people think that you're amazing. He realized that people are more valuable than pleasures. He understood that as much as he probably enjoyed some things in life, that people were of far greater value. And so he was prepared to sacrifice some of the things that brought him pleasure in life to make sure that people came to Christ in life. Are you understanding what I'm saying? There's a sacrifice that the musicians and the singers make week in, week out to be able to come to this place and bring us into his presence. Why? Because they consider people of more value than the pleasure of going off to the movies or going off and doing something else. Are you understanding what I'm trying to say? It doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to have fun. I just believe that you can have fun in his purpose. I just believe that you have fun as you're doing what he wants you to do. I, I, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure raising somebody from the dead is way more fun than going to the movies. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure that seeing someone healed of cancer is way more fun than going and playing golf. I don't know about you, but I reckon seeing 50 people come to Christ every single week, giving their license, is way more fun than fishing. I know that's hard to believe. For some of you, Justin Robbins, because <laughs> he just lives for fishing. But I'm telling you, that's why Jesus said to the, to the disciples, he said, I will make you fishers of men, because he's trying to teach them fishing for people is of far greater value than fishing for fish. 
Now, one of the great things that we can do in our lives is while fishing for fish, we can fish for people. Hello? We can invite people that don't know him to come fishing with us, and while we're fishing, we can fish for them. We can invite people that don't know him, and while we're playing golf, we can be fishing for them. Are you with me this morning? We've got to regard the things of Christ of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Why? Because he was looking forward to the things. He discovered that God's purpose is more valuable than popularity. He realized that people are more valuable than pleasure. And he understood that having God's peace is more important than possessions. Having that peace of God that says, I know I'm in the right place doing the right thing at the right time is of greater value than having all the possessions of the world. Why? Because the scripture teaches us that you are not the sum of your possessions, but you're the sum of his creation. Doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to have possessions. I believe that God wants you to have awesome house, fantastic car, all those things. I believe that God wants you to have all of those things. But we have to understand this, that it says that he, he looked ahead to his reward. Because he understood this, when you seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all that stuff is added. We have to make a shift in our world if we're going to be deliverers and stop trying to add the stuff to our, stop trying to make it about what should be added. You understand? So seek ye first the career and the house and the car and the family and let God be added to you. And we have to shift it. We have to understand that when we seek him first, he's going to give you all of those things. Somebody believes it this morning. That word added is the same word that they use when it comes to when somebody has lost a leg and they put an artificial limb on and it becomes part of them. That's the same word. It's, it means that it doesn't just, it becomes part of you. It's, it's not just like, oh, it gets added. It becomes part of you as you seek him first. And it goes on in Hebrews and it says this. It says in verse 27, by faith, he, that is Moses, left Egypt not fearing the king's anger, not fearing what people thought of him, not fearing what people were saying about him, but he persevered because he saw him, that is Jesus, who is invisible. You know, I believe of all of my heart that 2017 can be a year where we become deliverers of our family members, that we become deliverers in our schools, in our workplaces, in our community, but it requires three things. It requires us to refuse to be molded to what people want us to be. It requires us to choose to be mistreated for a short time because it's of greater value than the pleasures of this world. And it's going to cost you the ability to regard what is of heaven of greater importance than what is this world. And I just believe that if we can do that, I just believe that if we put God first, I know, I know some of you have been brought up with this thinking, you know, that um, you know, it's God first, family second, you know, church third, work, you know. Can I tell you that that's, I have problem with that. I don't even think it's biblical to think that way. I just think it's God first. It's God first. God first at home, God first at work, God first in the church, God first, just God first. I, I don't think that God stands here going, oh, I'm first and then there's all the, I just think it's just God first, nothing else. 
You know, the Bible says that he's a jealous God. I'm, I'm pretty sure he doesn't like to share you with other things. He wants you all to himself. And what he promises is, when we just put him first, first, just first, just first, then all these other things get added to us. All these other things we get blessed with. All these other things. The Bible says this, that he will give us the desires of our heart as he's first. He's first. And Moses understood. He comes first. I'm going to refuse. I'm going to choose. And I'm going to regard because he comes first. And when he comes first, everything else falls into place. Everything else gets added. Everything else happens. Why? Because he sees people come from bondage and into the promised land. And I don't know about you, but I'd be quite happy to be mistreated, to be misunderstood, to be treated a particular way if we could see 50 people get saved every single Sunday in this place. I'll take that on the chin. I don't know about you, but I think that God's trying to look for some people this year that will refuse, will choose, and will regard. Why don't we just all close our eyes for a moment. I'll just get Maddie to come onto the keys. She's in switch. Beth, can you jump on instead, please? I just think that at some stage in our worlds, we have to make a choice. We have to make a decision about what comes first. We have to make a decision to refuse to be molded into what people want and be what he's created us to be. We have to choose a little bit of mistreatment for the kingdom for a short period of time to win people. And we have to regard that the things of heaven the things of God are of far greater value than anything else that we can have. Understanding that when we live for God that way, all those things that you want just become part of your life automatically. You don't have to strive for it. You don't have to fight for it. Because the Bible says that when you, when you live for Him first, He just adds it to you. It just happens for you. And I think so often in our lives, we strive and we work so hard for things and he's just saying, man, if you would just make me first, I'll make all that happen for you. Because he's just that kind of God. He's just the kind of God that wants to bless you. But he just has ways that he does it. And his way is make me first and I'll do all that for you. I don't know about you, but I kind of like that idea because then I don't have to work so hard to make all that stuff happen. I just got to make him my focus and he, he takes care of the rest. And so this morning as every eye is closed and nobody's looking around, I want to ask you this morning, 2017, do you want to make a commitment or a recommitment? Well, I'm just going to make God first. First in the morning. First in everything. Just first, first, I'm going to consult him first in everything that I do. I'm going to make sure that it's God first. If 
you're here this morning, you're like, man, I, I really want 2017 to be a year where God's first. Why don't you just lift your hand when nobody's looking around? Why don't you just lift your hand in this place where you just want to make God first this year? God first, God first, God first, God first, God first. I just want God to be first. I want God to be first. Father, I pray for every single person that has their hand lifted right now. Lord, that the anxiety and the worry about all the stuff be it their finances or be it whatever it is that they're going through, maybe their career, maybe they need a job, maybe it's their health, all these things that can consume us so much that, God, we decide that in our finances we'll put you first. We're going to decide that in our career we're going to put you first. We're going to decide that when we hear the doctor's report, we're going to put you first. We're going to believe your word. We're going to take you at your word. We're going to believe for you. Can I just get all the musicians and singers to come? We're going to believe that as you come first, trust you. That we're going to trust you. We're going to trust you. We're going to take you at your word because you said, you promised. You promised that if we put you first, you'll add everything else. You promised when we put you first, you take care of the rest. And so this morning in this place, as his hands are lifted, God, help them, encourage them, give them courage to put you first, first, first in everything that they do. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? I just think it'll be really cool just to sing through the chorus this morning as we embark on the 2017 where we just